innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the wait is up. Fight. W-H-U-P-L-P, Hillsboro, the center of the known world. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. I am Jeff Shaw, and it has been a busy weekend of martial artsing, yes, that's a verb, for both myself and my co-pilot Trevor Hayes. In fact, Trevor was coaching his fighters at the International Kickboxing Federation's Winter Classic in Myrtle Beach last night, and because of the said coaching, he has exactly zero voice left. So I would be flying solo today due to Trevor's lack of voice, and get well soon, Trevor. But thankfully, we have an in-studio companion for me so we can play Wonder Twins, which, now that I think about it, would be a pretty sweet Toro BJJ rash guard. Today, our guest is James Boomer Hogaboom from Cage Side Fight Company and Toro BJJ. He's a groundbreaking businessman who's very involved in the local MMA and jiu-jitsu scenes. You might remember uh, Boomer from competing against him. He's a purple belt under Hoist Gracie, or you might know him from Cage Side or Toro. But uh, say hi to the people, Boomer. Good morning. Yeah, we're excited to talk to Boomer in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, but first, we're going to summarize some local martial arts news from the weekend. If we missed anything, as always, you can let us know via Twitter and Instagram. That's CagesideWHUP, CagesideWhoop. You can also shout us out using that hashtag, CagesideWhoop. Our email is CagesideWhoop at gmail.com, and we're on face- Facebook at Cageside Radio. If you ever forget any of this stuff, it's all on our show page at WHUPFM.org. If you miss the show, you can catch the replay at WHUPFM.org, or you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. So without further ado, I think we're going to get into some of the martial arts news of the weekend. James Hogaboom, Boomer. Oh, I played the wrong file. One sec. I wanted to play a file in memory of Trevor Hayes. This is Trevor Hayes, and you are listening to the Cage Side Concussion Cast on 104.7 WhatFM. So that voice right there, the dulcet tones that belong to the man, the myth, the legend, Trevor Hayes, were shouting over music at the International Kickboxing Federation's uh, Winter Classic last night. And he was had to shout so much uh, that he lost his voice. But he was coaching his guys, and we're going to give you some results from some of those uh, from some of those IKF fights last night. For all the NC, the, you know, again, if we missed any anybody from North Carolina, you can definitely shout us out at Twitter at CagesideWhoop or email us at CagesideWhoop at gmail.com. But here's the North Carolina results from the IKF Winter Classic that we have. Uh, Jim Baglioni from Evolution uh, in Wilmington lost a split decision in his fight. It was a really entertaining fight, from what I understand. Uh, Gustavo Navarrete from Revolution Self-Defense in Clayton, North Carolina, won via decision. Uh, Josh Yanez, also from Revolution, uh, unfortunately lost via decision. And Chris Piccione, sorry if I mispronounced your name, Chris, from Immortals Fight Club in Wake Forest, won via decision as well. I have it on good authority from Trevor, who whispered to me this morning over the uh, over the Internet that all these fights were terrific, and he's proud of all these guys. So congratulations to everybody who competed. Coming up next weekend, December 12th, it's U.S. Grappling's submission-only Richmond. Like all the U.S. Grappling tournaments, this is sponsored by Cage State MMA, and we'll talk to Boomer about some of that later. But if you want to re- uh, register for that, for some of the best-run tournaments around, uh, there's still plenty of space available. Submission-only tournaments are some of the most, are arguably the purest format left. Two people step on the mat, 
Uh, one of them eventually gives up. So if you want to compete and you're close to Richmond, or if you want to compete and you want to drive to Richmond, U.S. Grappling submission only, December 12th. I also wanted to thank, like, on a personal note, I wanted to thank out everybody uh, from Revolution BJJ in Richmond, Virginia. I was up there all week training, and uh, I want to say thanks to all the guys that I trained with. Everybody up there is really tough, really technical. Everybody was very cool. If you're in town, definitely train with those guys. Um, I will always remember this week as the week that I took more classes than Daniel Frank and that I barambolo'd Sean McChesney. Neither of those things actually happened, but that is how I would like to remember this week. So that's the news. If you have other bits of news, please hit us up. I will also talk at the end of the show about the Fredson Paisha seminar, which was at uh, Killer Bee Training Center yesterday, which was fantastic. And we'll have a little segment on that. And for a future show, we'll have an extended interview with Fredson that you don't want to miss. So without further ado, we're going to get to our featured interview. But before we do, I want you all to hear, and some of you might remember, what uh, Duane Owens, professional MMA fighter, had to say about our featured guest. James Hogaboom, Boomer has done more for the MMA scene than anyone in North Carolina. And, I, and, and if anybody got a problem with that, you know, well, you're not crazy. <laughs> so James Boomer Hogaboom, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on the Cage Side Concussion Cast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So where did you first get the idea to start Cage Side MMA, now Cage Side Fight Company? I worked at a I was in the funeral business for 13 years which some people may know um, I got into the funeral business uh, just prior to my 20th birthday when I was 19 I moved to Atlanta Georgia to go to funeral service school um, and from the age of 19 until about uh, 32 I was a funeral director and embalmer and I worked at a funeral home in Durham, the last one that I worked at. It was called Howard's and Bryan Funeral Home. It's in downtown Durham. Um, if you're familiar with downtown Durham, it's right across the street from James Joyce uh, Pub. And um, so anyway, I guess when I was about 30, right next door to the funeral home, they started building an MMA gym. And I remember them, them building it and the sign going up and saying to my coworker, I said, I'm going to go there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take classes. They have kickboxing, and uh, I've always wanted to learn how to kickbox. And um, so when they, they did open, I uh, was the first one there, um, and that was a East Coast Submission Academy, um, which was run by Danny Daniels. And um, so I was 30, and I was kind of the old guy there at age 30. And uh, that was the start of getting involved with uh, mixed martial arts. Had you been a fan of mixed martial arts before that? Had you been watching it, Pride Fights, UFC, stuff like that? Yes. I remember very well um, when I was young. I think I was a freshman in college uh, seeing Royce. We, we referred to him <laughs> as Royce on these uh, VHS tapes of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And you would go to Blockbuster and rent them. And, you know, Ken Shamrock was really popular as well. And, you know, I remember so many of these guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everybody loved it. And then it disappeared. Um, I'm going to say, like, 94, 95, 96, everybody was going to Blockbuster and, and renting these VHS tapes of this little guy who was just beating people. And we didn't know what he was doing. Um, and the announcers, I remember, didn't know what he was doing. Um, and I was a big fan, but like I said, it just disappeared. 
And then for years, I would always watch on ESPN2, they would show K1 fights, and I loved watching that stuff. And I can remember watching uh, Kung Lee and uh, Jerome LeBanner and uh, a bunch of these, uh, uh, Remy Bojanski. These guys were amazing. And then Bob Sapp would come in sometimes. Um, but I loved it. And then uh, all of a sudden, the Ultimate Fighter TV show came on, and um, it it was like, oh, the UFC's still around. And I think that's when a lot of – it really exploded at that point. So you were a fan first, and then you started training when you were about 30 years old. So where did the, the transition to becoming an apparel retailer come in? Did you, did you notice, like, I guess what was the niche in the market you wanted to fill? How did this, how did this come about? Um, well, I started off at age 30, my um, – youngest son was born and I had been training at ECSA for a while I, I say a while I don't know maybe nine months and uh, my, my son was born and I we were strapped for cash and I needed some extra money so I decided I would start selling supplements and I went and got a business license and started selling you know bodybuilding supplements and you can tell by your physique, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Boomer actually looks like the cross between Ken Shamrock and Bob Sapp, for those of you that haven't seen him in person. <laughs> so um, I started selling supplements, but the supplement market is just absolutely flooded. And I was looking at an old combat sports ringside catalog, and it had something in there about wholesale accounts. And the wholesale account re- requirement was that you either be a black belt in a martial art, have a business license, or something else, I can't remember. But I was like, oh, okay, I have a business license. So I contacted them, and I got a account with them, and I started selling some combat sports stuff. And I was like, wow, there's a much better margin in selling uh, martial arts equipment than there is in supplement equipment. Um, and then from there, um, a good friend of mine, Steve McCullough, we trained together and we uh, kind of came up with the name Cage Side. And I, I researched it and I was like, oh my gosh, nobody has this name yet. And so we got it. And then we started making the first thing we made were shorts, um, which we had made overseas. They were the white Cage Side shorts, which unbelievably some people still own. And then we made some gloves. And then we made some really terrible-looking shirts. Um, and then from there, it's just, you know, continued. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I've seen some of the white shorts that you talk about. They are still around. And so how does that make you feel as someone who, like, you know, obviously you've grown and expanded a lot. And we'll talk about the, the other aspects of, of what Cage Side and Toro do in a minute. But, like, do you look back on that and say, oh, that's awesome that people still have this, these are the OGs? Or do you look back and say, like, man, if I had it all to do over again, those shorts would look way different? Um, I, I don't regret anything with the shorts. It's just it has a really odd font on them. Um, but the shorts themselves were pretty good. Um, but when I see them, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe those things are still holding up. Because, you know, all we do is abuse um, our equipment. It's not like we, we buy a, a pair of fight shorts and then we hang it up on the wall, which is perfectly okay to do, and they'll last a lot longer if you do that. Many cage side products are suitable for framing, especially <laughs> the Toro BJJ rash guards. But so if I'm understanding this correctly, you started the business basically out of your house. 
That is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I worked in the, the funeral home, and we had a lot of downtime at the funeral home, so I would process orders uh, while I was at the funeral home. I was printing shipping labels because I knew what everything weighed, and then I would, I would get home from work and uh, start packing all the items that had to go out, and uh, the next morning I would wake up early and start printing more shipping labels and getting more stuff out. Um, so it was it was crazy the first year and a half just balancing between working you know fifty to sixty hours a week in the funeral business and then working um, at home to get cage side going. I mean it was a lot of hard work, and uh, I mean it's really paid off. I'm super fortunate and super happy to be where I am now. So it sounds like, you know, it definitely sounds like a lot of long days. And it also sounds like you had business immediately. Did you, did you recognize immediately, hey, I've, I've, I've identified a need, I've found a market? Or did, was there ever any doubt that, like, that, I guess what I'm saying is it sounds to me listening to that, like you had a bunch of business immediately and that you, you knew this could go someplace. Did you know immediately that this would be something you might want to turn into a career, or did you think, okay, this will probably be a part-time thing and we'll see what develops? Um, I think initially I thought it was just gonna be a way for me to make a little bit of extra money um, with having had my son Jacob, um, him being born, so we had two kids, and my wife wasn't working as much when we had uh, Jake, so we didn't have as much income coming in. Um, so that was my initial thought, and then it just started, um, to quote Larry Hughes, he always said, it's a snowball, it's snowballing out of control, and uh, that was kind of what happened, and um, I can I remember so well, it was uh, February of 2008, it was February 2008, and at this point I'd been doing cage side for almost a year and a half. And my wife was getting really tired of me doing nothing but working. And she was absolutely right. That's all I was doing. I was working at the funeral home, and I was working for Kate's side. And, uh, you know, we had a talk in the kitchen, and it was, it was one of the greatest days of my life, as silly as it sounds. Um, she was just like, you have got to stop working. You're not spending time with me. You're not spending time with the kids. And it was just a discussion about Kate's side. And I said to her, I said, I can do this. I can do this full time. I know I can, which was terrifying because I had a great job at the funeral home. You know, I was making good money and I had benefits. Um, but I had grown to really, really dislike the funeral business. It's unbelievably hard on families in the funeral business. So um, keep that in mind. Funeral directors are not bad people. They work super hard. Anyway, so. I said to my I said to my wife I said uh, I can do it full time and she said well fine quit and when she said fine quit oh my gosh it was the greatest and she has supported me a hundred percent ever since and so that was two thousand eight and so you're coming up on an eight year anniversary of just being full time cage side correct so did you so you were you were still out of the house at that point. Did you open a storefront location shortly thereafter? Because when I started training in a few years later, about five years ago, you had a location out by the old Catsburg store. Was that your first location outside of the house? Correct. Um, so it was February 2008. It was like the next day I went into the funeral home and um, I talked to my boss and I was terrified and you know, I told him, I was giving my two weeks notice and he asked me to stay for a month, which made absolutely no sense because he didn't look for anybody else. 
he just kind of <laughs> made me stay there for another month. But anyway, I had checked out of the funeral business years ago. Anyway, um, so February 2008, uh, it was like two days after having quit. I'm working out of the house, and, and Brad McDonald, who I had known for years uh, somewhat, mostly through his mom, because his mom, Betsy, and I worked at Clement's funeral home for years. And um, she had told Brad that uh, she, she used to call me a boomer or Jamesy. She, I think she said, Jamesy has opened up um, his own martial arts place. You should see if you can get a job with him. So he calls me up and he's like, oh, uh, I understand you, you have a, a place now and I, I'd love to come work for you. And I was like, man, I just quit my job myself. I can hardly pay myself. I can't pay somebody else. And he said, well, um, I'm teaching jiu-jitsu and MMA at Millennium. This is when Millennium was on Hillendale Road. Um, I'd love for you to come by. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I started going to jiu-jitsu with Brad, and it was all no-gi. And it was amazing because at this point I hadn't really trained jiu-jitsu because I didn't think I needed to. Um, I had been training kickboxing and MMA, and I already knew all the jiu-jitsu stuff because I had wrestled in high school. So I didn't need any ground stuff. And then I started training with Brad, and I was like, whoa, what is this? This is amazing. I'm getting murdered. Um, and my wrestling wasn't very good, so it certainly didn't translate very well into jiu-jitsu. Um, but back to your question, um, a year later, February 2009, um, I got to the point where I could hire Brad. And uh, Brad McDonald came to work for me, and for... I don't know, a couple of weeks he was working with me at the house. And my wife was like, this is ridiculous. You know, you really need to get a place outside of the house. We had a huge shed in the backyard where we stored all the equipment. And, but our house is not very big. So um, we found a little 800-square-foot place um, in the Catsburg area of Durham. And, um, and that was our first place, which we opened in 2010. Wow. So a couple of parts of that, that that interest me. For one thing, you know, for those of us that are maybe a, a little bit more late to the game, we identify Brad McDonald with Cage Side as much as you. And I think most people that deal with Cage Side can't imagine a time when Brad wasn't there. And so you actually knew Brad through his mom, through the funeral business, not through martial arts at all. Is that, that is correct. Yeah, Brad was a, uh, and I don't think he would mind me saying this. Brad was a bad dude. He was like, uh, I remember working with his mom and I was really young I was like 22 um, working with his mom and she would always say oh Brad's in trouble again Brad's in trouble and uh, if you don't know Brad he's a really intimidating looking guy but when you get to know him he's actually a sweetheart and a super nice guy who would do anything for you and he's an amazing huge part of cage side um, but uh, yeah so I, I knew I knew of Brad for years but it, it was just because of his mom that uh, we came together and started training together and working together. Interesting. The, the other part of that that was interesting is so you moved into the Catsburg location in 2010. So was was Seth Champ teaching jujitsu out of that location at that time, or did that come later? How did no, that? No. What happened was um, we had some mats. We had we had some mats. Uh, Brad and I had mats from Millennium, and when we got the place um, near Catsburg, we moved the mats to the back of our little warehouse and. Uh, Brad ran a little class at lunchtime, and um, there were just a few of us who would come there regularly, like Dee McFadden and uh, T.J. Price. We were always back there 
rolling like a bunch of knuckleheads. And um, Jake Whitfield actually told Seth about us and uh, told Seth you should you know go check out Boomer and these guys. And Seth just started coming and hanging out. And he started teaching. And we were like, whoa, this guy is amazing at the time. So I guess this was 2010. Seth was a one-stripe purple belt. Um, but he was phenomenal. I mean, anybody who knew Seth back then knew he, yeah, he yes, he was a one-stripe purple belt, but God, he had the skill set of like a black belt. He was so good, and and uh, Seth and I just clicked immediately. I mean, it was just like, wow, you know, when you meet somebody that you just click with on so many levels, it's amazing. And then from that point on, we've been very good friends, and. We then uh, went in and got a, a second warehouse right down uh, the sidewalk from where we were. So we went from an 800-square-foot place to, uh, I think it was 2,200 square feet. And Seth and I divided that up, and he bought some mats. And that's when Triangle Jiu-Jitsu of Durham moved out of Karate International, and they moved in with us. And... Uh, it's just been a great union since, and uh, Seth and I have been together since we, you know, since then we moved to uh, our current location, which is a 7,200 square foot warehouse, uh, which is off of uh, Hillsborough Road behind the Bojangles. We're really hidden back there. That's why how I tell everybody to find it too. It's the one behind the Bojangles. <laughs> and just to break in for those of you who don't know, uh, Seth Champ, who is both Boomer's and my instructor and the uh, owner and head instructor of Triangle Jiu-Jitsu Durham, is now a black belt under Hoist Gracie. And he and Boomer have been together. It sounds like since 2010, th- uh, 2010, and have shared space ever since. And so, like, so. If I'm understanding this correctly, so you started out of your house, then moved to an 800-square-foot space, then a 2,200-square-foot space, and now a 7,200-square-foot space. And I might be breaking news for those folks um, who, don't, who don't train at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu or don't follow Cage Side MMA much, but it seems like another move is in the offing as well. Is that right? Yes. We are looking at space right now, and I don't want to say, oh, yeah, we've definitely got this place locked down because we don't. It does look pretty promising that we could be moving to a facility in uh, North Durham off of Ladder Road that's actually 18,000 square feet, which is huge. Um, Can I buy an airplane and store it there? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But uh, if we get this place, it's going to – it has much better exposure. It's right at the corner of Ladder Road and Roxborough Road, if you're familiar with the area. Um, It'll be, um, well, it'll be huge, I can say that. But uh, we're, we're getting some flack from uh, Velocity Fitness, which is right around the corner from there. They don't want us to move there. Um, I think they're, they're afraid of uh, good old American competition. I, I thought they'd be afraid of the dojo storm. <laughs> Just go, go rush a Pilates class with a bunch of Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai guys. <laughs> well, they're running some kind of martial arts out of their place, like Aikido or you know, some nonsense like that. Um, so, <laughs> we love Aikido on the concussion cast. Uh, well, <laughs> anywho. Uh, <laughs> well, so, so like listening to this, as someone who didn't know a lot of this history or knew the sort of the broad sketches of it but didn't know a lot of the details, uh, the growth that you had is super impressive from, you know, from your house to this maybe 18,000 square foot place. And so I guess, like, I want to ask, when, when was the first time that you were able to step back from the work that you're doing and say, wow, this is actually getting big? Like, maybe it was a moment where a fighter you sponsored did something big, or maybe it was, a, a, you know, a sale that you made. But, like, was there one moment or a couple moments that you looked back and said, you know, wow, this is, like, people actually 
you know, people, the cage side name is out there. Um, actually, it's funny you say that because uh, Friday night, this Friday, Friday night, my wife and I were out to eat and I turned to her and I said, thank you. Thank you for everything. You have been just awesome. And I said, I am so stressed out all the time about cage side because I feel like, gosh, I have so many bills to pay. Um, we've got to sell stuff so I can pay these taxes, so I can make payroll, um, so I can send money overseas so we can get more stuff. Um, and I, But I just, in that moment that I was talking to her, I had a realization that, wow, you know, we're doing really well. Um, you know, we, we have a nice little house. Our kids have everything that they want. Um, we have everything that we could need. Um, we're so fortunate to um, have cage side and to have Toro um, and that so many people support us um, and so many people go to our website and say good things about us and it's it's wonderful we are so blessed and so fortunate um, and really truly it was just Friday night that it was like oh my gosh you know we've we've outlasted so many companies and we're so it, it's crazy I mean uh, when when you think about um, Sprawl. Sprawl was a huge short company. Um, everybody in the UFC was wearing Sprawls, and, and Sprawl is pretty much done. Uh, you think about a Warrior. It was Warrior Wear, Warrior International. They're done. I mean, they were huge. Tap Out. Um, Tap Out, which was always been an amazing company. They uh, they set the groundwork for all the little companies like, like Cage Side. Um, Tap Out is... I mean, with the death of uh, Charles Mask Lewis, you know, they just didn't have the leadership and they sold out and the company that bought them has done nothing with it. I've got tap out rash guards, uh, tap out, tap out T-shirts right now in our warehouse on the $4 rack and people don't buy them, which is amazing because, I mean, five years ago, tap out was just huge and, um, uh, there's just literally dozens and dozens of companies that we have outlasted, and we're not the biggest. We're just uh, trying for slow, um, gradual growth. Um, I, I point out a lot of times, I'll say things that people are like, oh, man, Cage Hub should be bigger. Cage Hub should be doing this. And I say, well, it, you see all these people five, ten years ago, they started wearing the North Face. It was like you started seeing all these jackets with the North Face on it. And it's like, wow, these guys came out of nowhere. No, they've been around since like the 1920s. Uh, Abercrombie and Finch, it's like, oh, man, they're everywhere. You know, they just, it's an overnight success. No, man, they've been around since like 1929, Everlast. Been around since like 1919. It takes time to build a brand and, and to keep that brand going. And, you know, that's what I hope to do with Cage Side. Well, there's a lot to follow up on in that, and I think that's a good way to end our first segment with Boomer. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're here with James Boomer Hogaboom from Cage Side MMA and Toro BJJ. And our next segment, about twenty min- of about twenty minutes or so, we're gonna talk about why Cage Side has lasted, where some of the companies Boomer has mentioned is not. We're gonna talk about the Toro BJJ brand that Boomer has started, uh, which expands from mixed martial arts into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We're gonna talk about what the future holds for Cage Side, and something I'm excited about. Talk about some of the fighters, both the mixed martial artists and the Jiu-Jitsu fighters that Cage Side and Toro sponsor um, because those guys are doing some exciting things. So hang with us for the next 20 seconds or so, and we'll be back with Boomer in just a second. What is is a nerd? Okay. 
a nerd is someone who's just passionate about something. Right. Regardless of whether it's popular. What is it to be cool? To be cool is to be disinterested and to pretend you don't care about anything. Right? Well, you can't be good at martial arts unless you care about it. Yes. Like, you can't be just sort of passively like, yeah, whatever. You got to be in there and you get, and especially martial arts that are combative arts that become technical, right? You got to spend all your time on like watching tape and getting into this really involved sort of thing. Um, and then when you find other people who are into it with you, nerd brother. It's the Cage Side Concussion Cast on WHUPFM.com. That clip was from our interview with Hoist Gracie Black Belt Roy Marsh, which you can check out in our archive on whipfm.org or on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. So check that out. Thanks to Roy for that interview. And now uh, we're back with James Boomer Hogaboom. So in our last segment, J- Boomer talked about uh, some of the other companies, some of which are huge, right? Sprawl was huge. Tap Out was and remains in a certain sense huge. What do you think the difference is uh, between some of those companies and, w- and what Cage Side's trying to do? I think what... <laughs> Some of these companies, um, once you start sponsoring guys in the UFC, um, it's hard to stop. And it got to, to the point where I know certain companies uh, like, like Sprawl would pay uh, a certain fighter 30 grand for one fight. And when you're shelling out that kind of money for one fight, it, it is really hard to make that back. You have to sell a ton of shorts. And, you know, MMA is just not that big. I mean, I know everybody who's into it, you know, we love it, we're passionate about it, um, but it's not that big on the national level, whereas, you know, if you paid uh, a a basketball superstar $30,000 to wear your shoes, you'd be getting a bargain because everybody watches basketball. You know, all the kids in school, they want the LeBrons or, you know, whatever shoe there is. So there's just not that much money to be made there. Um, so we have to be super uh, tight with our, our budget because we don't have much of a budget for sponsoring guys. Um, people think that we do, but it's, <laughs> believe me, uh, it's super tight. And th- that's what kills companies. Um, there was a, a company called Throat Punch that comes to mind. Um, Did Jason Cobra start that company? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was some fellas out of, out of Tennessee. and You know, they... They came out of nowhere like two, three years ago, and they had a Hummer, and the Hummer was covered in throat punch stuff, and it looked so cool. Um, if you ever see my vehicle, it's a minivan with cage side on it, and I, I don't drive a minivan because I think it's cool. I, I drive a minivan because it's paid for, um, and it's great for uh, dropping my kids off at school, and it's great for transporting uh, shirts and geese to tournaments where we sell stuff. Uh, believe me, I know that it doesn't look cool, and it would look much cooler if I had a Hummer, but it, it's within the budget. So this this company, Throat Punch, they were buying all their blank uh, shorts from us. We, we distribute a lot of blank shorts, um, and they were just buying stuff like crazy, and they were sponsoring all these guys, and we went to a, um, a fight in Charlotte for, I can't remember the name of the promotion, but anyway, we went there, and they're... They were splattered all over this place. The XFC. XFC was, and they had throat punch in the cage. Like the, um, the floor, the, the mat was, was throat punch. And I was like, oh my gosh, these guys have spent so much money and they are not going to make any of this back. 
And it was probably about two or three months later, they stopped ordering from us. Mm-hmm. And I looked on their Facebook, and there was no activity at all. So uh, the point, it's just business in general. You can't say, all right, we're going to throw a hundred grand into this and we're going to get it all back. It doesn't work like that. Um, what happened with Tap Out was not an overnight success. Those guys busted their butts selling T-shirts, you know, out of the back of their car, like we've heard them. Um, so I guess what has helped us last longer than a lot of companies is, you know, slow and steady growth. And, you know, there's been times, particularly in the past, where it's been like, hey, we've got this UFC fighter, you know, can you sponsor him for 10 grand and he'll wear shorts? And it was like, I'd love to, but I don't have that kind of money. Um, well, it's kind of interesting to me because we have seen cage side fight or cage side shorts and cage side products inside the UFC octagon. But what it sounds to me like, or what I, what I've observed is, you sort of start with the grassroots and you sponsor a fighter, sort of from the ground up. Somebody like Dewan or somebody, so Dewan Owens, who was on the, on the show last week, or people that are, are more local guys that then become big, as opposed to taking the opportunity to spend a whole lot of money on an established UFC fighter. Is that right, or do I have that wrong? Uh, no, that's very true. I mean, earlier on, we were we were trying to sponsor everybody, you know, through through gear and paying them and things like that, but that doesn't really work out. So, yes, I we definitely concentrate uh, very much uh, on the local scene. In fact, uh, on my Facebook ads and my Google ads, um, I have the ads only showing on the East Coast, like, I'm not concerned about the Midwest and West Coast just yet. Um, East Coast bias. East yeah, Coast bias. We get, we get a ton of orders from California and, and Vegas, which is terrific. But um, pretty much all of our, our Facebook ads are you know North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. We'll get back into sponsorship in a second because there's some stuff I want to follow up on. But I do want to mention one of the brands that Cage Side puts out, like probably the primary brand for jiu-jitsu is Toro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which of course is rooted in Durham, hence Toro. And people know Toro uh, primarily, I think, from the rash guards, the geese, and the shirts. Uh, and w- one thing that I mentioned is, you know, I've done some rash guard design work for you. And one of the things that, that I thought was like, oh, wow, this is really big, is when a friend of mine sent a picture of a random gym in California where people were wearing Toro rash guards. And that was a really cool moment for me. Uh, so I guess I'm wondering, like, what made you want to start Toro BJJ? And was this a thing where you're like, we're going to be very rooted in local Durham stuff? Or was it eventually this too will grow and we will see Toro rash guards nationally and internationally? Um, what started Toro was my love of jiu-jitsu. I, I'm absolutely passionate about jiu-jitsu. Uh, not so much about MMA anymore. I mean, I still like MMA, uh, but jiu-jitsu is... It's where it's at. Jiu-jitsu is awesome. You can do jiu-jitsu for your whole life. You don't want to do MMA for your whole life. Um, but anyway, we came out maybe 2011. We came out with a, a cage-side gi. And, you know, it was a pretty nice gi. Um, and I was like, yeah, we're going to start making cage-side jiu-jitsu stuff. And I was at a, a tournament in Raleigh. It was a U.S. grappling tournament. I think it may have been one of the Pendergrass tournaments but anyway i saw somebody with a ring to cage which is a brand out there they had a ring to cage gi on and i thought man what a terrible name for a gi company and then i immediately said oh geez cage side's a terrible name for a gi company and then uh, my friend steve mccullough and i were on the phone talking and we were trying to come up with a name for a gi company and we were like yeah toriando and uh, one of us threw out Toro, and we were like, yeah, Toro, that's a cool name. 
and it just was coincidentally tied in with Durham being the Bull City and um, so that's where the name Toro came up and we started making some Toro shirts and before we even had a gi uh, we put the, the the cart before the horse a little bit but then we you know, we came out with a gi and I think it was late 2012 and it was not a very good gi it was a gold weave gi and it had these stupid flex panels in the in the crotch that you know, I, I I tried something different. I, you know, it, the the idea probably I think came from Alan Bevier, such a jerk. <laughs> anyway, um, the moral of the story: never listen to Alan Bevier. <laughs> exactly. I, I actually want to mention this gi too. So for those of you that that that, that haven't seen these gis, what, there's a gusset in the crotch, and typically. In a jiu-jitsu gi, it's a solid color. So, like, if you have white gi pants, it's all, all, it's all white. But this had, and this is actually one of my favorite gis that I keep around for special occasions. So, for the white gi, there was a big black hole basically all around the crotch area that stretched, which was incredible looking. And it was kind of comical. But the blue gi was my favorite because the blue gi looked like blue velvet. Except for, so, so you had, like, these gi pants, but then you had this diamond-shaped stretchy panel that looked like blue velvet right around right around the groin area, which I thought was, was pretty amazing. Uh, so, yeah, that, and then the next gi, we did the, the groin again, but we didn't sell it. We, the gi uh, came with two pairs of pants, one with the, the stretch panel in the crotch and one without, and we had had so many issues with the initial gi uh, with the stretch panels that I took the, the extra pair of pants out and uh, we just got rid of them. Um, I think we sold them for like five bucks. Mm-hmm. I think we sold them on BJJ HQ as well. By the way, on BJJHQ.com today, um, they are selling the Guardzilla Rash Guard. So get on there and get one. They're, I think they're $27 on BJJ HQ today. In fact, that, that segues nicely into something I want to talk to you about. So if you haven't seen this Rash Guard, it just came out. You can check it out on the Toro BJJ Facebook page, or I think I have a picture on the Cage Side uh, Concussion Cast Facebook page as well. So it's a, the Rash Guard is Godzilla, and Toro has done a couple of Godzilla-themed Rash Guards. And I wore mine for the first time at the Fredson, se- Fredson Pie Show seminar, and it got a really good response. So in addition to being, like I know as a business owner, you sort of have to go for hey, this is what people are going to enjoy buying and wearing. But I've noticed that like, a, like a lot of times when I go around, people know Toro for these sort of interesting rash guards that you put out. And I'm wondering if there's a theme, like because a lot of them are pop culture oriented, like video games that people grew up with. A lot of them are, you know, Godzilla as another example. I'm wondering if there's a unifying theme or Voltron, you know, which is the one we, sent, we, we, we posted to the, to the Facebook page today. Is there a unifying theme to the Toro Rash Guard or is it just something that you think is fun? Or what, what, what do you, what, 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 how would you describe the, the type of Rash Guards? Wow. Uh, well, I'm 40 and you're 41, so we, we have similar mindsets as, as far as what we grew up with. And I think we, you know, we both liked uh, Voltron as kids. And, you know, Jeff Shaw, he developed the Voltron Rash Guard. Uh, Jeff developed the uh, Attack the Turtle Rash Guard, which is uh, another Godzilla-themed rash guard uh, with Durham, North Carolina, as the backdrop in it. Um, Jeff just developed a lot of stuff for Toro. He he came up with the uh, Game of Chokes uh, T-shirt, which we've sold, I I think, six million of. Um, (laughs) I kid. Um, But Jeff came up with the uh, Shrimp and Ain't Easy T-shirt, which we sell. Um, Jeff uh, Jeff and I have collaborated back and forth, just messaging each other, like, what about this? What about that? 
Jeff comes up with some crazy obscure stuff sometimes that like maybe 1% of the population, much less the jiu-jitsu population, will will understand. I'm like, ah, Jeff, no, let me think on that one. And a lot of times I do come back to it. Like he, he came up with this shrimp and ain't easy like three years ago, and it sat on my desktop forever. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, let's make this. And that's what I do a lot of times. I'm an idiot. So there's, <laughs> I, there's not too much rhyme or reason to the rash guards, Jeff. We You know, if we come up with something – a lot of times what happens is I propose it to the people at BJJ HQ. And if they're like, yeah, we'll pre-order 200 of those, then we make it. Um, if they are if they shoot it down, then it's just like, oh, well, apparently the masses won't like it. So then we don't make it. It's interesting because, like, for, for those of you that don't know, like, I've done, you know, I, Boomer just mentioned, I've done a lot of, like, freelance and, and you know, work for, for them. And, like, I, I love, you know, Boomer and I are both really passionate about jujitsu. And we're of, of similar age, and so some a lot of the same stuff that we think is is cool or interesting or funny will happen. And I've I always thought of our interplay as sort of like, I am I am sort of the dude that goes too far out, and you rein me back in, <laughs> like like hey Boomer, there's a I have this I have this uh, this historical rash guard themed about uh, women jujitsu suffragists in the UK <laughs> in the 19 teens, which is a cool rash guard, which is a cool rash guard. And if you would buy it, you should post on the Side Concussion Cast page and be like, I would buy that rash guard. But like Boomer's like, well, you know, maybe how many people? And I, oh, of course, tons of so six million and one. It'll be better than uh, than Game of Jokes, but um, but. That, that's what I almost think of it as like a writer editor relationship because I have a journalism background where, you know, a good writer um, takes chances, right? And a good editor is like, yeah, maybe that chance is too far, you know? And absolutely, so, mm-hmm. absolutely. No, yeah, I I love your creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jeff recently came out with a it's the, what we call the JS 2015 Gee, um, which is on our website, but we're completely sold out of it. But which is awesome. News, Thank you, everyone who bought one. <laughs> well, the good news is uh, the Navy Gi, which people went crazy for, and, and the JS 2015, we are expecting a big shipment of them within six to seven days. So um, keep an eye out. We'll have more of those Gis. And our, the Toro Gis have improved dramatically over the last couple of years. And that's, that's the one thing about Cage Side and Toro. Um, we really appreciate constructive criticism. We always want to improve all of our products. And, like, the, the, the gi is actually a really good example. And, and, like, I'd always wanted, you know, as someone that's a complete jiu-jitsu nerd and is a gi nerd, I'd always wanted to design one. And so it was super fun for me to be able to do that. And this was another example of where I drew some stuff that was really outlandish that I thought was really fun but might have been better suited for a gi bag than to a gi. <laughs> and, so, and so the final product I was really happy with. But, uh, and so... Uh, and, you know, evidently the, the buying public was happy with as well, which is why that sort of writer-editor relationship mattered. I, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about the, about the people and events that Cage Side and Toro sponsor. And so, because a lot of these guys people will have heard of, one of whom we've had on the concussion cast, Dewan. But also, um, I want to talk a little bit about Joe Selecki and C.J. Murdoch, who are two guys that you sponsor. And C.J., who's in uh, also been a guest on the concussion cast, who is a real... Out, you know, a really, I think, positive representative of the jiu-jitsu community. And Joe Selecki, who is, of course, one, you know, one of the top competitors out there right now and is making the transition to MMA. And so I guess if you could talk a little bit about those guys, what drove you to sponsor them, like how you make sponsorship decisions, and like what you think those guys, you know, and sort of what jumped out at you about those guys. It's like, yeah, this is a guy that Cage, that Cage Side and Toro needs to get behind. Well, start off with Dewan 
Mm-hmm. Um, Dwan and I, we have a similar background in, in that we both started training at, at uh, Danny Daniels East Coast Submission Academy. We I trained there when I had left. Dwan started uh, not long thereafter, but um, Dwan is one of my closest friends. Um, we've trained together for years. He's beaten me up in jiu-jitsu for years. Uh, I'll, I'll go on record as saying Dwan has tapped me out at least 100 times, and I've never tapped him out once which is very sad to me. But anyway, <laughs> I love Dewan. Um, Dewan is a huge promoter of cage side. Um, as CJ is awesome. CJ is a huge... Uh, the first time I really ever talked to CJ was after a, a fight at the Bull City Brawl. And I was like, hey, CJ. And he came over and he was just so sweet and so gracious. And I was like, um, I was like, let me hook you up with some shirts. And he was like, yeah, uh, any jiu-jitsu shirts. And CJ was so appreciative, and he's always been super appreciative. Uh, Joe Selecki is just uh, a monster. The, the kid is the next big thing. He He's amazing. Joe has a zillion sponsors, though, so, you know. <laughs> he's a great kid. Uh, but as far as, like, uh, sponsor guys, Bagels, uh, John Bagels Telford, uh, he's been huge. He's always promoted cage side. Um, he's He's so appreciative of everything and when i came up with toro uh bagels just he loves toro and he, and toro loves bagels i mean who doesn't love bagels yeah uh he's terrific um uh, you know uh, other you know as far as sponsorship i know i'll, I'll leave people out but uh, billy dowie uh and seth champ uh, both of them have been huge in helping promote cage side and toro um they both, uh, you know, Billy and Roy Marsh, I, I'll forget somebody. Well, you um, know, I, I didn't want an exhaustive list, but, like, you know, all those guys are really prominent guys in the local community and th- that have done great things in whatever they've tried. Uh, like, I also want to talk a little bit about uh, the events you sponsor. And a couple of – so the two that, that pop to mind are obviously U.S. grappling tournaments where Cage Side and Toro sponsor those. But also I want to talk about Toro Cup, which is the, the charity event that we've done three of that uh, you know, raised uh, you know, something like $6,000 for different charities. And so I guess it's a two-part question. Like, let's start with how you began to sponsor U.S. grappling events. And was that something that grew out of your passion for jiu-jitsu? Or was that an opportunity to, hey, let's get, you know, let, let's get to these events where a lot of jiu-jitsu people are congregated? How, how did that decision Well, happen? I love U.S. grappling. Um, I love Chrissy and Brian um, and Andrew, of course. Um, there, U.S. grappling is so much fun. If you've ever been to a U.S. grappling tournament, you know it's it's very well organized, um, but at the same time it's laid back, and there's just a wonderful vibe at U.S. grappling. Um, if you've never been to a U.S. grappling event, I highly suggest you start going to them. Um, and just my friendship with uh, Chrissy and Brian and Andrew, we somehow came up with you know the case I would start sponsoring, and uh, it's just been a great relationship. Um, as far as the Toro Cup, uh, Toro Cup was, uh, I, I get things confused, but I'm pretty sure that was the brainchild of Jeff Shaw. Uh, Jeff wanted to do uh, a day of jiu-jitsu super matches, and um, from there we just, you know, uh, brainstormed, and we went back and forth and started matchmaking, and we were like, yeah, we're going to do it for charity, and we're going to do all this, and, um, there's you know, there's a lot of jiu-jitsu super events out there, but... Um, without a doubt, Toro Cup is the best. We don't have the the biggest names nationally, obviously, um, but we have the best format uh, being 
15 minutes submission only. Um, so there's no points, no advantages at all. If after 15 minutes there is not a winner, we go to a five-minute uh, point round. Um, the points are determined by U.S. grappling rules. And if after five minutes there's still not a winner, you can't win by an advantage, um, then we go to a sudden death overtime where the first point wins. And that can be a takedown. It could be somebody has pulled guard and, and gotten a sweep. Um, so in three Toro Cup events, we have never had a draw, which if you ever watch Metamorphos, yeah, this hype behind it. Yeah, we get to see these two huge names. Uh, we get to see uh, Enzo Gracie and, and Sakuraba, and then there's a draw, which is so disappointing. I mean, if you watch that, Enzo killed him. I mean, he, he destroyed Sakuraba, and I love Sakuraba. Um, for 20 minutes, he, you know, he beat on him, and then it's, oh, it's a draw. It's like, are you kidding me? How, how can you have that? How can you have all this hype leading up to this? And then it's a draw. It's terrible. So, well, yeah, Tour Cup is really fun, and like I think it, it is something that you know your passion for jujitsu and you know doing community work shows in that event. I've, so, getting back to the to cage side and, and and Toro and the business aspects, I'm wondering. So we've we've mentioned like the, what is the best metric of growth that you have from the earliest days until now? Like I've mentioned, you know, going from working in your house to this you know, maybe an 18,000 square foot spot. That's one metric. But I'm wondering, are there ways that you look and say, hey, here's how I know we're growing. Here's how we know we're going in the right direction. Is it the number of gyms you work with? Is it number of number of items you sell? Is it the array of products you offer? But like, how do you know you're growing and headed in the right direction? Is there anything that like, particularly from day one to now, is there anything that looks back and makes you, you look back wife, and say, wow. My wife, she does all the books and she says uh, the numbers aren't that good. Uh, <laughs> we've actually probably been down the last couple of years. We've gotten hit pretty hard um, by Google. We had some uh, bad uh, search engine optimization done by some lousy companies out there and it, it really hurt our retail sales. Um, and because of that, um, we've concentrated a lot more on wholesale sales. So um, if you are out there and you own a gym or you know your gym could use some equipment, we're, we're the company for you. We love wholesale accounts. Um, and uh, the other thing we started doing a, a few years ago, again, thanks to my wife, was we started screen printing. So uh, we print uh, our own shirts and we print shirts and we do embroidery for gyms all over the country. Um, so that's that's been a huge part of our success as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, so in terms of the future, like you know, you've come a long way, but like well, I'm wondering what the next steps for Cage Side is. Like, you're, I know you're always thinking about ways to improve. Are you thinking about offering new products? Are you thinking about um, doing new? sort of events like what what's that what do you when you think of the next big thing for cage side and toro what do you what do you think that is i want to have products in stock we um we've gotten better here over the past couple of years but you know our 16 ounce cage side gloves whether they be the edges or the blizzards we have a lot of trouble keeping them in stock and our our shin guards we always have trouble keeping them in stock which is a, a good problem to have uh, but it stinks when, you know, customer calls you up and, hey, can I get this uh, glove in 16 ounce? Oh, I'm sorry, we're out of stock. We won't have them for another month. Um, so that would be the biggest thing is, is making sure we have products in stock. 
and I want to have a full line of Arturo Jiu-Jitsu gis in stock. Um, we're coming out with uh, a cut for women. I want to have uh, a lot more stuff available for women and kids, which we do um, in our shop, but I'm terrible about getting these things up on our website. It's a, a male bias for some reason. I, I think of our, our male customers more than our female, which is my fault and is very dumb. Um, but like I said, we have a, a female cut gi coming up, and uh, we'd love to hear some input from the lady jiu-jitsuers out there as far as what you would like to see in a gi, um, particularly uh, color, things like that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked about you that you think I should have asked about, or anything else that you want the listeners to know about Cage Side or Toro? No, I, I'm so thankful to be here today. I'm so thankful for for everything, um, to the, the fight community, um, the jiu-jitsu community especially. I'm, I'm so thankful to anybody who's listening to this. Um, just thank you. Um, and, and please know that we, we really do try and support the local uh, fight scene. And um, I don't, check out cageside.com. It's no longer cagesidemma.com. Mm-hmm. It's, we secured cagesside.com. Um, so thank you. One more question, which is simply this. If you had any advice, like one piece of advice to give to somebody who wanted to start their own business in the fight industry, what would that piece of advice be? Oh, boy. Um, Start small, but not too small. You can't be afraid to take risks. Um, You can't be afraid to go into debt. I mean, I'm still in debt from uh, from Kate's side, and I probably will be for a little while, but um, that's just the nature of business. You have to spend money to make money. James Boomer Hogaboom, the man who has done more for the MMA scene in North Carolina than any other single person. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Jiu-Jitsu is part of the solution. Jiu-Jitsu saves lives. It's the Cape Side Concussion Cast on WHUPFN.org. So thanks to Boomer for that interview. I sure learned a lot. I hope that you folks did too. It's time for the final segment of the day, which we like to call the parting shot. In the parting shot, we tell the untold stories of jiu-jitsu, MMA, and other martial arts here in North Carolina. And today, I have a parting shot that is inspired by the Fredson Paisha Seminar at Killer Bee Training Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina uh, yesterday. I want to thank all the guys for having me out. And I have a little something that I would like uh, to say uh, uh, related to that. So jiu-jitsu is my life. And jiu-jitsu, my instructor says, is all about survival. This is one of the things that he said that resonates the most with me, that jiu-jitsu is about survival. And since I've started training, I've always said that my philosophy on yoga, jiu-jitsu, and life is that as long as I'm breathing, nothing can have gone that wrong. Uh, This is an aspirational thing to say, too, because it reminds me of how good I have it. And you heard Broomer talk about how grateful he is for everything he's got. Um, I, I feel that way, too. Even when times are darkest, I am surrounded at all times with hope and possibility. The thing is, that can be hard to see for people, and especially um, folks who are military veterans. And every day on average, at least 22 military veterans end their lives via suicide, which is an American tragedy. Even more of a tragedy, that number is actually an underestimate since, as I learned yesterday from Mission 22, who I'll talk about in a second, six American states don't actually track those numbers unless they're reported to the VA. 
Regardless of how terribly high the count reaches, I think we can all agree that this is a national scandal and something that we have to we have to address. Organizations like Mission 22 are working to help. They were out at the Fredson Paishow seminar yesterday, and I was reminded again of the great things that they do, that Mission 22 does, in trying to end veteran suicide. They're also active in the jiu-jitsu community, and one thing I love about this community is how much we take care of our own by investing in each other. So if you have the means, invest in the work of Mission 22. You can find them at mission22.com or via a link on our Facebook page that I'll post as soon as the show ends. So like I said at the beginning, jiu-jitsu is about survival. Jiu-jitsu is life, life is jiu-jitsu, and sometimes your life has to be about focusing on survival, your own or that of others, and that can be your jiu-jitsu for the day. So today, folks, please go train, please go do something positive for someone else, and please go donate to Mission 22 via mission22.com or via a link on our Facebook page. So in the last minute, I'm going to give my thanks to my co-host Trevor Hayes, to James Boomer Hogaboom, and all of you beautiful people who listen to our wild little show. And speaking of Boomer, it seems like Boomer has one final shout-out that he would like to give before we get on out of here? Uh, one last shout out. I just want to say to my two sons, Joe and Jacob, I love you two very much. And to my wife, I love you tremendously. Oh, I don't know about y'all, but I just got the warm and fuzzies all up in here. And so I hope that you did too. So yeah, I, I want to I I thank Amy and Joe and Jake too. Uh, so next week on the show, we're going to have an interview with Chris Clodfelter from 8 Points Muay Thai. We've been very excited about that for a while. Uh, Trevor went out to Wake Forest and did a terrific interview with him that you can listen to. You can also check out um, on our Facebook page uh, a video that Trevor and Chris shot about clinch attacks, which is really making the rounds on the Internet, which is pretty exciting to me. I also did an interview with Fredson Paishao, who is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu legend, a black belt on Osvaldo Alves. I did a terrific interview with him that I'll be excited to run in the next couple of weeks. Um, so please check out the concussion cast for that as well, especially if you like old school stories and, uh, and you'll get them from the master of the wrist lock, Fredson Paishow. But next week, Chris Clodfelter. The week after that, we're going to get Seth Champ, uh, Hoist Gracie Black Belt and my instructor, live in the studio talking about his experience at the Valente Brothers Academy's Gracie Gathering this December. So please look forward to that. Again, my thanks to all y'all for uh, showing up live or downloading us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whipfm.org, and we're going to play us out with Tune in the Real Law. Thanks for listening.
LP Hillsboro. <laughs>